0: Welcome to Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on podbean.com brought to you by nobody. That's right, no sponsors whatsoever. So if you would like to help support this live show or if you're listening to the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, wherever your preferred uh, podcatcher happens to be, uh, you can always go to Patreon.com slash RelentlessDaring1 and sign up as a patron today. And anything that you donate helps to maintain equipment, helps to, you know, maybe one day buy some licensed music. I don't know. Um, But it it just helps keep everything going. So, as I say, go to Patreon.com slash RelentlessDaring1 if you want to be a patron to the show. Or you can help support me. You can also go to my merch shop at shop.spreadshirt.com slash relentless hyphen daring. Yeah, I know it is kind of complicated and they wouldn't give me just, you know, something that made sense. But, hey, that's what I can do about it. That's uh, how they want to run their show. So I can go there. You can buy uh, T-shirts, coffee mugs, ball caps. I got a couple designs up there. Uh, You have the Truth, Justice, Jackassery because that's what we are in the relentless, daring pursuit of here. Or you can get the uh, get my flag logo. It's got the red, white, and blue with with the uh, RD logo there on the on the blue field. So so go there today, and all that helps going towards keeping this show going. It. It literally pays my hosting fees for uh, being here on Podbean. So again thank you all for listening. Um, so it's been a crazy week. Um, today's episode uh, we're really gonna be looking at baby recipes and the hug heard around the world. You know, uh, I, I think it's something really good to talk about because it where where we are in the culture as far as the hug heard around the world goes, because there's so much that's made over uh, police violence or violence from police towards civilians, particularly black civilians. And I'm not going to come out and say every cop who has ever shot an unarmed black civilian is wrong. And I'm not going to come out and say every cop that has ever shot a white or shot a black civilian should be unpunished because they're obviously in the right or else they wouldn't have shot. But I'm more referring, more referring to the Amber Geiger case out of Dallas, where this off duty white police officer goes into what she thinks is her apartment, sees someone sitting there, gives some commands. He doesn't do what she wants, and she feels threatened and pulls her sidearm, shoots him. Well, Turns out she was in the wrong apartment, and it cost Botham Sean, you know, he's an immigrant to our country, cost him his life. And it's absolutely horrible that this happened. This is my personal opinion. And only my personal opinion I believe that Amber Geiger was overcharged with charging her for murder um, because murder usually requires young yeah, I don't know malice she would have had to intentionally go in looking to do harm to a person. I think, you know, manslaughter would have been acceptable. But, you know, this is the American justice system. It is what it is. She was charged with that. However, I think in the grand scheme of things, I think she was tried. Where she was the patsy for every cop who has ever been found not guilty of causing harm to a minority member of the community. Rodney King, he is, it was on camera, four white police officers beating him with flashlights and batons. And they were all acquitted of any criminal wrongdoing, even though it's like he's an unarmed dude. That he's on the floor. He's on the ground, rolling around, trying to protect his body from the beating he's getting. And there, there was no need for it. And then there's other situations. Uh, there was a cop up in Cincinnati. He was a Cincinnati University police officer trying to pull over a black motorist and the black motorist put the car in gear and tried to drive away with the cop in the window and the cop pulled a sidearm and shot the dude and killed him. It ended in three mistrials or hung juries, however you want to refer to it. And then eventually, prosecutors dropped the charges because they knew they would never get a conviction. And and listening to the interviews, um, so I was driving semi at time, and I was over, over around Louisville. I was listening to uh, the Bill Cunningham show out of Cincinnati. And he was adamant that this police officer should have been found guilty, as is his right. And and I don't know, because it's really easy when you are an uninvolved third party to look at a situation and go, you shouldn't have handled it that way. But when you're in that situation where you have the choice or do i need to use lethal force or not and in the case of that cincinnati officer he had reached into the vehicle in an attempt to grab the keys out of the ignition when the driver put the vehicle in gear and started driving towards uh, those big concrete barriers on the side of the road and did the officer have a legitimate fear for his life i i could say so but again i'm not in the situation and everyone loves to monday morning quarterback what a cop should have done the situation you know and then there, there's times when cops shoot anybody and Yes, they're found guilty because it was a bad shoot. Like um, the guy up in Minneapolis, he was the first Somali refugee to be admitted to the Minneapolis Police Department. Now, someone could say, well, the only reason he was being prosecuted is because he was black and he shot an unarmed white woman. Oh, so horrible. Is it an immigrant who shot another immigrant? I mean, because she has a distinct melanin deficiency. She's more important than someone who is a refugee from a war-torn country. i I don't think so, not in my opinion. But it was an unprovoked shooting. She, you know, Call 911 to report she thought someone was being sexually assaulted and she walks out in a bathrobe. And, and it happens all the time with things, people of all colors. Uh, There's a video I saw of, a, I think it was a college kid. He was asked to step out of his vehicle by police after he was pulled over. One officer said, told him to get his wallet so he could get his identification. He reaches into his pocket as was directed, pulls his wallet out, and another deputy pulls his pistol out and just unloads on the kid. The kid survived. Thank God he survived. And the entire time he's on the dash, came in here and said, It's my wallet. It's my wallet. But after an investigation, the officer was cleared of any wrongdoing, even though he's on the dash camera hugging one of his fellow deputies and saying that, oh, my God, what did I do? Oh, my God, what do I do? You know, this is, It doesn't make any sense. And so I think, and you also you know, look at other instances Uh Michael Brown up in uh I don't remember what part of St. Louis. I want to say Floreson, but I know Floreson's not right. But um you know the Michael Brown shooting, there were three autopsies done. There was the local autopsy, there was a federal civil rights commission autopsy done by the justice department there was an independent medical examination done on behalf of the family who were looking to bring a civil suit against the city but all three all three reports and i've read the actual uh, doj Uh, civil rights complaint write-up and all of them said the same thing the injuries he sustained were were concurrent with the acts of reaching into the vehicle to assault the officer and uh, in the uh, you know as the officer stated that he you know stopped turned around and then tried charging him and so i think a lot of stuff got hung onto amber geiger i mean at her sentencing they brought up texts and emails they brought up the fact that she was sleeping that she was the other woman with a suit of a supervisor who was married and she was you know, having sex with they did a lot of stuff to impugn her character which i will admit if you are sending texts that are blatantly racist it doesn't do much for your character definitely uh shades it a lot But is it the end-all, be-all indicator of who you are as a person? I, I don't think so. But they did an amazing job just tearing her apart. And the prosecutor, in his closing arguments, basically laid out, this is for every black person who was shot by a white cop and got off and so he was pushing the full 99 years the life sentence which again is my opinion and only my opinion that this was overcharging but after her sentence was was uh, handed down to the 10 years in prison which some people say that is way too lenient you know it up with the judge again I don't I didn't see in my opinion I didn't see any form of malice there so to sent make a sentence longer than 10 years I think would have been over punishment but again this is an opinion show and that's what you're getting you're getting my unfiltered opinion if you don't like it I'm sorry that's just the way it is But then something crazy happened after the sentence was read and they were doing the victim impact statements. Pretty much everyone in Botham Jean's family turned down the opportunity to speak and to address the court and more specifically to address the offender. In this case, Amber Geiger, and the one person who decided to speak was Botham Jean's younger brother, Brant, and he had some serious, um, some serious weight on his shoulders because, you know there was feelings that he he was harboring that he didn't know if the rest of his family was and so he decided yeah I'm going to do this and the trial was over and so he gets on the witness stand and he addresses Amber Geiger and he looks at her and he says I didn't want to say this in front of anyone, especially my family. But I do not want you to go to jail. I love you as a person. And because Botham would have wanted the best for you, the best for you is to find Christ. And I forgive you. I mean damn that is if you're a christian and you don't like the idea of forgiving somebody because they you know spilled your cereal, they knocked your coffee over, they cut you off in traffic this person he was a peripheral victim of something absolutely horrible he lost a brother who he will never ever 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 get back and he forgives the woman who killed his brother and that's absolutely amazing um he the the Jean family went on Dr. Phil to discuss what had happened. And this is something that uh, that Brant said during his interview with Dr. Phil. Hit right there. Yeah, so this was an attention seeking thing, which I'm gonna get into this in just a second after the break. But um, you know, he thought the cameras were off because the important part was done. She was tried, she was sentenced, and he thought he was just addressing her. And You know, what's the simple definition of integrity? Doing the right thing when nobody's looking. He thought no one was looking other than who was in that courtroom. And for him to forgive her and then to hug her, oh, my God. If you're a Christian and you weren't convicted, about your inability to forgive people over little things. Your heart is where Pharaoh's was just before the 10th plague hit, when Moses was in absolute shock. That Pharaoh was warned what his outcome would be. But Pharaoh said, I'm not scared of your God. To be able to not only forgive, but to hug and embrace and cry on the shoulder of the person who did such horrible, horrible things to you and your family. And that's Christ like love. Pure and simple. And I got someone on my uh, live stream telling me that there's no God except Allah. And he spelled it except. Brother Ahmed, believe what you want. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong. I'd appreciate if you did the favor to me. I am not telling you that you're wrong for believing in Allah and, you know, his prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. I'm speaking to, you know, my fellow Christians and about how that is, uh, you know, what was seen in this situation, this courtroom should be convicting all Christians. It should be a conviction on every religious background about forgiveness of those. Uh, I don't have the clip, but in this uh, segment from Dr. Phil, uh, Botham Sean's mother, she referenced uh, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive those that trespass against me. I mean, that is, and she's the the whole family was. If you watch this uh, YouTube, you can find it on YouTube. Um, I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes. This the whole family just their grace that they showed her that yes, you did us wrong, and you are going to be punished. But we're we're not gonna harbor that against you. And then to have it all crapped on by the social justice wieners out there, but I'm gonna get into right after this break. All right, so getting back into it, um, like I said, it did not take but five minutes for the social justice crowd to come out and start attacking anyone who would dare say, look at this, this is amazing. Um, I've seen, quote, religious leaders, end quote, you know, talking about how, you know, oh, this is just, you know, your white privilege that, you know, you know of course the black people should you be forgiving you of everything you've done, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, I, I really don't care about any sort of collective salvation because last time I checked, collective salvation is not something that's biblical. Salvation is an individual thing. And if people are going to be, yeah dealing with salvation issues they need to find a religious leader who's actually going to be biblical in that but um but reading about it uh going through national review david french yeah a person who i have my issues with from time to time but he's fairly straightforward and on the level uh he had an article released yesterday uh it's don't misunderstand the white christian reaction to brant John's act of forgiveness it's a really great article i'm going to include the link in the show notes um yesterday afternoon jamar tisby published an essay at the washington post with the rather provocative title White Christians Do Not Cheapen the Hug and Message of Forgiveness from Botham Jean's Brother. As is so often the case, the essay is far more interesting and nuanced than the title implies. Which, I want to take a break from this article, and which, I want to say, I probably wouldn't have got past the first paragraph, but thank you, David French, for, uh, you know, actually diving past it. That is possibly one of the better things because he goes on to say some pretty interesting stuff as is so often the case the essay is far more interesting blah blah, blah. he makes two powerful and related points first when a black man is gunned down unjustly the black community and not just the man's family feels real pain rant Jean's act is thus a personal act Not one that can be imputed beyond him. And that is certainly true. And I agree, uh, especially with America's racial history. You know, any kind of killing like this or attack, the entire community does feel it. And I'm not going to say that, oh, that's a bunch of liberal, bleeding-heart bullcrap, because it, it's true. You know, when someone who is middle class, who has worked their butt off to get things they have, is attacked because you only got it because of whatever reason, but not through hard work, yeah, it's it's an attack on on everyone. When Jesse Smollett was, uh, you know, made the accusations that he was assaulted and the victim of an anti gay hate crime, I understand why the gay community was pissed. I understand why the black community was pissed. Because here's one of us who's being made into the other. And it's a perfectly understandable sociological response. And so, and yes, I do agree that, I do agree with the statement that Botham Jean's brother apologizing, or not apologizing, but forgiving uh, Amber Geiger is personal and is not being done on behalf of the entire black community of Dallas or of Texas or of the entire United States. It is simply an act. And diverging off this David French article, I know there was someone who was saying that it should have been personal. It should not have been televised. It should have been something that he, you know, arranged for a jailhouse visit and conveyed in private. Well, and I played the clip off of uh, off of the Dr. Phil show from his interview where he said, I thought the cameras were off. I thought it was just, you know, all the important stuff was done and I needed to tell her this. But anyways, getting back into the article. Second, Tisby emphasizes that Jean's act of forgiveness does not lift the obligation of imposing justice and here there is some cause for concern the jury justly returned a murder verdict again as i stated i don't necessarily agree with the verdict but that's neither here nor there but the sentence itself was light. a mere 10 years in prison for intentionally taking an innocent man's life she'll be eligible for parole in five years again if i come into my house and there's someone there who doesn't belong there and I'm armed and I feel just in using that firearm to defend myself, I'm pretty sure I just intentionally took a man's life. It, the problem is that the circumstances were she accidentally went to someone else's house. But again, that's just me stating, in my opinion, I feel that she was overcharged and I'm not saying, not trying to point out any laws or anything like that to prove the prosecution went way further than what they should have. Just stating my opinion, It's all it is. Like me, love me, hate me for it, I don't care. I think you're beautiful. Going back to the article, Here's why I think Tisby misjudges the, quote, white Christian, end quote, response to Jean. He writes this. So this is Tisby writing. A society built around white superiority is also built around the white innocence, an assumption of the intrinsic moral virtue of all white people and the purity of their intentions regardless of impact. White innocence assumes black forgiveness. He also says this. Again, this is a Tisby writing. If white people expect all black people to extend forgiveness as quickly as Brant Jean did, then they understand neither black people nor black pain. This is one of those collectivism things that I'm not a fan of, and normally, as soon as I get into collectivism, that's a reference to Karl Marx and a whining carl sound sound by playing but i'm not going to do that today because of the topic that we're on but back to the article but i think both these quotes get the moment backwards the moment went so viral not because forgiveness was expected or why innocence was presumed the moment went viral because the guilt was so obvious and the rage so understandable the moment was so viral because it was shocking. Brant John demonstrated a level of grace that most Christians, white or otherwise, simply couldn't comprehend. And they couldn't comprehend it because the horror inflicted on his brother was so obvious and so thoroughly unjustifiable. And like I, like I was saying earlier, seeing that, it should have convicted Christians, it should have convicted Muslims, Jews, people of all religious walks and even the the non-religious atheists and agnostics who, you know, maybe they understand they have problems forgiving people who have wronged them. And I think that's what the biggest thing was. Forget the social justice aspect of, you know, Forget that aspect of it. It's the aspect that you know, normally you don't see forgiveness like this when someone's gone to prison for years. And here it, it's been a little over a year since uh, Botham Jean was killed. But the family has already found it in their hearts to forgive them um and you know, the actual clip from the courtroom when brant said that his brother would have won what was best for her um in the youtube clip that i have of from dr phil dr phil asked the family is this the position that both of them would have taken and everyone everyone said yes if it happened to one of us this is how he would this is how he would act i mean and that's absolutely beautiful that you know that family is so tight with each other that not one was like "No, no 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 this would be unforgivable to him they all stood there and said the same thing yes he would have wanted us to forgive her He would have forgiven her if it had been one of us. And it's absolutely amazing. And there is just so much that we can learn, you know, from the situation. And I'm absolutely, you know, it's absolutely blown away by the grace that was extended to her, even by the rest of the family who all said, No, 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 we don't want to get up and speak. I'll be back right after this. All right, getting back into it. Uh, another big one that happened uh, just in the last couple of days, AOC was doing a town hall in Queens when someone that everyone presumed was, some the, that everyone presumed was one of her supporters, one of her constituents, stood up and said this. oh man yes yeah, so we, we got to eat the babies which i don't know about you but i like mine lightly roasted with a garlic butter herb sauce absolutely delicious i'm joking i don't eat babies at least i don't think i do there was, there was that mystery meat they served in the army god knows what was in there it's probably and green and as we all know son the green is people but it, then the next day uh, a friend's group called larouche pack claimed ownership of this stunt if you want to call it that and then a lot of people came out and Immediately started attributing LaRouche Pac as being pro-Trump. Well, I started looking into them and to the LaRouche movement, and it turns out not exactly right wing. In fact, their their founder, Lyndon LaRouche, spent years. As a registered socialist, hmm. ran for president seven times as a Democrat, their group has spent many times spent many years being a uh, thorn in the side of Democrats and Republicans alike. They're an agent of chaos. They really don't care whose side they come down on. they don't care. Who they piss off, whose toes they step on, as long as they're getting their name out there. And this, again, just kind of going through all of this, you know, you look at some of the stuff. I mean, there's, I know Wikipedia is not the greatest Source because there's so much stuff that could be attributed to um not reputable sources when people edit these pages. But I mean there's you know these worldwide LaRusse youth people holding scientists say dumb and dumber. is a picture of George W. Bush next to Barack Obama. Now, there's another guy in this picture, he's wearing a well, he's holding a science Barack Obama with a Hitler stash. I mean, so you hear that they they're uh, they're going after both sides because that's who they are. They don't care whose toes they step on. They don't care whose Wheaties they happen to piss in, as long as they're make, making their case. Um, the with within these LaRouche movements, there is such an emphasis put on the personality of Lyndon LaRouche, that some even consider it a cult movement. And even if you go to the LaRouche Pack website, it reads like Alex Jones info wars on steroids. You know, it's not the Democrats who are trying to bring down Donald Trump. It's the British. It's not and for some reason they really have a thing with uh British banks and all that. You know, they they attack the they attack banks because Oh, it's the same thing the Nazis did. That's the reason why George Bush had to bail out all these banks. And they're they're nut jobs. But in today's media environment, the only people who seem to care about what side someone falls on is not the media it's independent people who are going out there and willing to find the information themselves so now you have this crazy person talking about eating babies and as much disdain as i have for congresswoman ocasio cortez she handled the situation very well i i give her a slow clap, for her ability to kind of disarm the situation without exacerbating it. And when when she came out on Twitter uh, shortly after this video started going viral, she was operating under the assumption that this woman had a mental health problem and that mocking her should be you know, we should stop mocking her. Of course, as a person with my own mental health issues, I take a different approach. And I think everybody is fair game for mocking. But, you know, I like, guess I said earlier in this show, it's my opinion. You can agree with me. You can disagree. I don't care. But, um, but yeah, she, she was very calm and firms like, no, 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 no. We're not going to be dead in a few months. We still have several years. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're concerned. I think you're just a little over-concerned. I, I don't think she could have, I don't think she could have dealt the situation any better, Mm -hmm. especially when she peels off her shirt and she's, or her jacket, and she's wearing a shirt that says, save the planet, eat the babies. I mean, as long as they're not feeding us soil and grain, I think it'll we'll be good. And it's just, I don't know, and, yeah, it's, I don't know, trying to get back here through, navigate through Wikipedia, Yeah, the Worldwide LaRouche Youth Movement, WLYM or LYM, and the LaRouche PAC are part of the political organization organization of controversial American political figure Lyndon LaRouche. Uh, It's just absolutely nuts. Uh, 2004 article in University of California, Berkeley, Independent Student Newspaper, The Daily California Reporter, David Cohn described the local chapter LIM as 30 college-aged youths who spent several hours each day undergoing instruction provided by the LaRouche organization. One member, 23-year-old Jason Ross, told Cohn that he had dropped out of Stanford University in his junior year to join the movement. Quote, we are in a complete breakdown of the financial system, and we know that. We can use our time in a more appropriate manner than going to school. End quote. He said... Cohen also talked to three other members who had all quit school to join the movement. I mean, like I said, really it's no different than what, you know, some of the other fringe political movements are putting out. Uh, The DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, as Wrong as they are ideologically with believing that our economy will be better off if it's you know you know being managed and means of production are seized by the government. Oh, there he is. I was wondering where uh where Paul would come in here on that. But you yeah. know, but you yeah, know, they, they, they believe this stuff because they believe what other politicians are saying. You know, there's a pay gap. Well, if you compare apples and oranges, it seems that there's a big pay gap. If you take two people of this, of a man and a woman of the same line of work, who had the same experience, the same time doing that job. They are paid the same. If you start breaking down demographics, you have you know single college graduate you know college graduate woman compared to a single college graduate man. majority of the time, the woman with a bachelor's degree makes more than the man with a bachelor's degree doing the same jobs. The Part of the reason why men tend to make more money as a whole than women do as a whole, it also has to do with the lines of work that men are more commonly going to do. You get a deckhand on a crab boat in Alaska and make $30,000 for a few weeks worth of work and it's incredibly high risk. A storm comes up, a crab pot can knock you overboard, and after a few minutes in frigid Bering Sea water, you're dead. Versus, you know, if a, a woman is more typically going to go into, you know, nursing. A nurse is going to make considerably less money than a king crab fisherman on the Bering Sea granted they may have the same time and experience for their respective jobs they may have the same education le- well the nurse probably has the higher education level let's let's not uh, delude ourselves too much but there's just certain markets because of assumed risk skill involved yada yada blah 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 Men tend to gravitate more towards, women tend to gravitate more towards other things, even the medical community. Uh, There are certain fields that are more predominantly women. Uh, Lately, I think more and more women are becoming OBGYNs, which makes sense. I would expect a woman to have better understanding of a woman's anatomy than myself. When men tend to go towards the other more, uh, I don't know, more grueling medical things, you know, the, the neurosurgeries, the cardiology, you know, you know, thoracic surgery, stuff like that, where, you know, more life, more life and death. But like I, said, I just keep in mind, I'm not looking at any kind of numbers on this. I'm kind of just spitballing off the top of my head. If I'm wrong, feel free to tweet me at daring podcast and tell me I'm wrong. But please, if you're going to tell me I'm wrong. Please back it up. I don't mind being I don't mind being told I'm wrong on something. I would just prefer if you want to tell me I'm wrong, actually show me. I'm more likely I'm more likely to go, huh? Yeah, you're right. I am wrong on that. Oh, my producer calling me names in this ad. But um but yeah it's But yeah, yeah, the DSA and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, they put out these things where you know income inequality and then you know, on top of it they go into all of the uh, intersectionalities. You know, women, racial sexual identity go into all of this and they use it to divide and conquer us and say they use you know what a ceo at walmart makes versus a grocery bagger at walmart makes so like well if i'm running a multi-billion dollar generating business I would hope I'm being compensated more than, what, 11, 12 dollars an hour, I, whatever, the, whatever the going rate for a Walmart bag checker is these days. You know, I, this is not my full-time job. My full-time job is dr- driving trailers around a factory. Backing them in the docks to get unloaded, pulling them out, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And I stack a lot of barrels in said trailers. I make $17. In- uh, anyway, someone's calling me out on here. Nursing was a bad example. I was a male nurse, left because uh, fiscal rewards didn't match skill and danger. I had PTSD, addictions. As the trivial nursing, wristing on a crayfish boat was bliss and rain cash. Well, again, uh, the Matthew 1971. I, I appreciate you calling, you know, bringing me bring that up. Like I said, like I said, okay, there was a lot more with the skill and everything with being a nurse but it's also a different skill set than say being on a crayfish boat and, and i appreciate you know the stuff that you Believe well, me mean, i have ptsd directly attributable to being shot at and people trying to blow me up in afghanistan i know how you feel with as far as that goes the things that permanently tend to needle their way into your brain. You have to deal with the rest of your life. Part of the reason why when I got out of the army, I became an over-the-road truck driver so I didn't have to deal with people because my peopling skills were severely diminished. But again, thank you. This is, I actually do read my live uh, text coming at me on the screen in here. So thank you. I do appreciate you, uh, you know, you know, talking back to me, follow me on Twitter at Daring Podcast. You want to continue the conversation. But, um, but yeah, they, they use all these different uh, ways to create uh, an envy war, to create covetousness. Well, it's not fair that they make more than their employees. Well, again, as I was saying before, uh, Matthew's message popped up here. I drive, I drive the yard truck and I stack whiskey barrels, sometimes wine barrels, depending on if they need help on those docks. I make $17 an hour. The CEO of the company that makes the finest wine and bourbon barrels in the world makes considerably more than me. Granted, he's also the fourth generation of that family to be running the company, but he also grew up in the plant, and him and his sister and his brother—they've all made their share of barrels. They've learned the different skills that go into running these plants. They've been to the the stave mills learned, and they've seen. And help cut, you know, the barrel staves down. They understand their company. They're not, you know, some Wall Street exec who was hired because they took a failing company and turned it into a Fortune 500 company. It's family, and because it's a family business, they know it. I've been in a business where they got a new CEO who. He didn't know anything about uh, about steel fabrication, but he turned around another business, a complete different uh, of a completely different subset. So when they needed a new CEO, they hired that guy. And there's a reason I'm no longer with that company because I didn't like the way he was, the way things were going. That's a great thing about our economy that. Eh. If you don't like what you're doing, you can do it. You, if it all gets socialized, nationalized, then you start getting an area of you. You uh, start getting yourself locked into jobs. That's a lot of problems people had with a lot of issues with manufacture in the Soviet nations is uh, whether it's you know that was a soviet union venezuela once you lock yourself into a job you try to leave that job you've got it going against you because now you're no longer supporting the collective effort you're trying to look out for you and so there and groups like the dsa want to try demonizing looking out for you why shouldn't I try to go to a job that, you know, pays me better? Why shouldn't I go to a job? Yeah, it might not pay as well, but I've got better benefits. You know, this, but, oh, that's just life in America nowadays oh man well it was interesting show today it kind of went off on some tangents there i apologize um again thank you all for listening uh if you're listening to this on the podcast please go to apple itunes google play iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts at again if there's a podcatcher that does not carry my podcast let me know you tweet me at daring podcast let me know what what platform you prefer to use and i will try to get my show carried on your uh your preferred platform but on apple itunes go there four things subscribe you subscribe Guess those numbers up. Makes it easier for people to find. Number two, rate it. Give me a five-star rating then as people start looking for podcasts, higher-rated podcasts with more votes. Make it easier for other people to find. Then review it. Then it pops up, hey, you might like this one. People can read through and see what it says. See what you all, the listeners, think about it before they decide to listen to it. And finally, share it you share it, then you can directly give it to other people who you think will like what I have to say. Or they might hate what they have to say and you want to give them someone they can laugh at and they can heckle on Twitter at Daring Podcast. Either or, glad to have the subscribers. Thank you all for listening. And as always, stay relentless.